Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Power Women in Insurance podcast. Today, we are talking to two powerhouse women about women in the insurance space. There have been a lot of talks about whether or not men are different from women, if women are different from women, and the conversation today is going to be centered around just how women operate differently, maybe we think differently, and maybe even how we operate and think the same as other people. So today, we're talking to Vonda Copeland and Aurora Mullet. And I'm super excited. We actually started this conversation in Tampa. And um, it was really funny because my husband was like, that would be a great podcast. So we decided to just (laughs) jump in there. So ladies, thank you so much for taking the time to join me so we can have this really important conversation. I appreciate y'all very much. Thank you. So start down there. It was, it was. So Vonda- so good that we were late to our next meeting. (laughs) (laughs) We were, we were, and it was a really good meeting too. And I hated to be late to it, but um, it was such a good conversation. So ladies, tell me a little bit about what y'all see as in the insurance industry that's going on. I feel like there is kind of a movement towards more women in the insurance industry. There's a movement towards women of, of, of influence and um, of leadership in the industry, which I'm very excited about. But I also think there's some pitfalls in that conversation as well. So I'm going to let you guys kind of start us off. Tell us a little bit about your insurance experience. Maybe as you come up through the ranks, you both have been in insurance for a long time and had different experiences in the insurance industry. So let's go ahead and start real quick with Vonda, just because you're up top right next to me. Tell me a little bit about your experience, because I know you do run your agency as a woman agency owner, um, and you've, you've had a little bit different experience probably from what I've had. So tell me a little bit about your experience. Well, and, and you know, the caveat here is I run the agency as an agency owner in partnership with my husband. So we have the, you know, the male, female complicated roles from the, the get-go. Um, and when I looked at that, um, the podcast title, you know, are women different from men are, you know, there are different challenges. And I think I feel differently de- depending on the day because yes, there's differences, but then there's times when I feel like there's not differences. Um, and I think that's the difficulty because you have to try to figure out how you're going to handle it in the moment. Um, but I do think that there's, it's, it's long been a, a male dominated industry. And, and it still is. Um, if you talk to, you know, if you spend some time talking to Donna Levine when she first came in, you know, when you, when you talk to her, um, you know, we've got it easy compared to some of the people that started before us. I mean, I've been in it 20 years, um, but not at the level that I'm in it now. Um, but it's, it was much more of a challenge before, but it's still a challenge in a lot of areas. There's, there's a lot more women. I think social media has helped the women in this industry because you can connect with other women and you don't feel like you're in such a male dominated industry because you have that connection, maybe not locally, you know, maybe not even, you know, in your same town or, or whatever, but you can connect with somebody so easily from a different area that we're not 
isolated like we used True. to. So I, I, in that way, I think we've got it so much easier than our, our counterparts that, that did this 10, 20, 30 years before us, you know, they were pioneers. Um, my aunt was in insurance in the the fifties and sixties, and she was one of my idols. I just thought she was the most elegant, uh, cause I came from farm background. I mean, we didn't like, you know, my mom wore lipstick, you know, to the elevator when she drove the truck, but, but that was it. You know, my aunt was just very, you know, we weren't around a lot of business people. Um, and I think that for her, it was a lot more difficult than, than now. Um, I still struggle. Our sales force is predominantly male and they definitely listen to Jay faster than they listen to me. Um, we could say the same things and they would probably respond to him a lot faster than me. Uh, I've had examples where that's actually happened and it's, it's frustrating. It, it is really frustrating. Um, cause I, I feel like I have a lot to offer them, you know, and a lot of knowledge and, and things like that in my own right. Um, so I, I do think there's still that, that, that glass ceiling that we constantly bump our heads about, you know, against from time to time. But I really also see inroads being made all the time. Right. I totally agree. Aurora, what about you? What about your experience so far? Um, you know, I, 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 people always tell me, or guys always tell me I'm a rare breed. And I think a lot of it comes from, I grew up with all guys. I grew up in a neighborhood that was a hundred percent guys. Um, I've always had, um, probably greater connection or ability to communicate with men than I have had women, um, throughout. So I think it, it changed probably the way that I encounter, um, situations throughout, I, there's, there's two moments in my career that I really felt like, man, this was directly, this response was directly because I was a woman. One was blatant. I entered in, I was the first female to hit a president's club at a sales organization that I was in. And prior to that, as a celebration, every time you hit president's um, club, then there was whiskey and cigars and there was like a night, right? A night when I did it, they, they stopped it because they were not going to have a woman part of that. Right. And their mindset, that was not a place for a woman to be. Now that was 22 years ago. Now in today's segment of her, right, that wouldn't exist. Right. That, that would just not be something that happened. And the only other time that I ever really felt it as just a woman was I wanted to promote to a sales management role at nationwide. And the gentleman that spoke to me about it said, the fact that you're a single mother and you have several children, I don't feel that you are equipped to deal with the level of responsibility that is needed for this role. And that was probably the biggest driver. If that man hadn't said that to me, then I wouldn't have left that organization. I wouldn't own my own agency right now. Right. So there's any time that this has happened to me, I've taken it as, okay, now I have another I have another viewpoint from a male where I know where their mindset is. And now I have to be able to figure out how to counteract that. Right. That's just the, the bob and weave that I feel that you have to do here, but that that's also with women. Um, I feel that there's probably I've had, I've, I've suffered greater um, bias from women than I ever have from men in this industry, because yeah. women as themselves 
we've been raised to have this narrative that women must be soft, women must be quiet, women must wait to be to speak, um, women must care what others think about what they say or what they dress. And I've never had that in me to care what others viewpoints are of me. So in that place, I don't fall into the typical soft, quiet female role. So that bias has come a lot more and I've had more hate from women than I ever have had from men in this industry. Oh, amen from that. That is exactly true. I mean, I, I definitely think that's true. We, we def- have that judgmental level that you feel and you just have to, to kind of, um, you know, <laughs> we can be snarky um, <laughs> completely. And, uh, I, think, I think women are more, um, I think women can be much more like, I don't know how to put it. I think women can jun- jump to judgment. I think men just kind of ignore women more. I mean, that's kind of my thing is that maybe, maybe they will say something like, you know, the, the, the unfortunate situations like you've had or, but, you know, at the same point, a few men will say something. I mean, men also see women as sex symbols or whatever, like, oh, we're just, you know, like they come at us a little bit more physically. I think sexually call us pet names a little bit more. That doesn't bother me too much. I mean, I'm in Texas. I call everybody babe, you know, I mean, you know, it, it, not in a bad way, but like, you know, I'm like, you know, I just, to me, it, it doesn't bother me. It's, a, you know, that much, but for other women, it's really a big deal. And I 100% acknowledge that. But we were actually, even recently, in a passive aggressive way, when we were actually in Tampa, we stuck around for a few extra days, my husband and I, we went across the street to a uh, seafood place that I'm not going to mention the name of. And we had a wonderful meal, fabulous meal. But the waiter came on up and he was like, so, you know, where are you guys from? Da, da, da. All his words were, y'all, were you guys and da, da, da. But he only made eye contact with my husband. And then he, um, he was like, so Marcus, what's your name? What's your name? First of all, he's like, what's your name? And my husband goes, Marcus he goes, okay, great, great. Good, good to know you, Marcus. Good to know you guys. And he like walked off. I was like, I'm, I'm Teresa. Hi, nice to meet you. You know, it's like, he just totally walked off. So he comes up and he goes, okay, Marcus. So what are y'all eating today? I was like, well, I don't know. Is Marcus the only one eating? I don't know. What are we doing here? You know? And it was really interesting because as we walked out, the guy was like, bye, Marcus, have a great night. I was just like, and my husband, even like, as the waiter came back to the table, goes, my, this, my name is Marcus. And I wanted to make sure I introduced you to my wife, Teresa. And Marcus was very good about that. But then it, the guy just persisted. And I don't think he had any consciousness of it. And um, I think part of it's education. I think part of it's quote unquote, calling people out when people make us feel uncomfortable. But I think women too make people feel just as uncomfortable by almost a little bit more personal comments than the men do on that end of things. What do you, what is kind of your, your, your feedback on that? I think women can be very passive aggressive. Um, you know, a lot of times with men, it's more pointed, you know, they just kind of call it regardless. And I think women, you know, have a tendency to be more passive aggressive and, Mm. and a little bit more, you know, I don't know that that's, what, what my experience has been. And, and unfortunately I've probably been that. So, you know, we all have, I'm sure. So, but we all have our bad days. I mean, you know, I think we all have our days where we see something online or we see something with a client or our team does something and all of a sudden I'll just go, you know, and then I go, Oh, dang, I am sorry. And most of the time I'll go back and I'll apologize for it, but I'm sure there's lots of times when I do it and I don't realize I'm doing it. 
You know, right. um, I think we all have that tendency. We just, we just do, we're human beings, right? Yeah. I think the big thing is, is the level of, of um, ability to, to, you know, I, I grew up with the, the saying water off a duck's back. Um, I think that's one of the things you have to, to constantly, especially right now, there's so much um, jumping on something and, and attacking something for, um, you know, for the, the connotation that it was either said or done. Um, and like, like Aurora said, that, you know, you just get to a point where it's just like, you, you look at the person and you're like, okay, that fits, you know, just not going to worry about it. There's a fine line and I'm not, I don't think there's a right answer. It's like, how much do you accept? You know, like they say, if, if you let people treat you that way, you're sending a message that that's how you want to be treated. Or do you just rail against everything? Um, you know, it's a fine line and I don't think there's a, a good answer for it, unfortunately. Um, you know, I like to say common sense, but I'm not even sure that <laughs> that applies. Um but I think sometimes we allow things to happen sometimes too, because we're women. And um, I know that for me being in the agency ownership position, I did not want to be an agency owner. Like my dad said here, sign on the dotted line. I know I've said this a million times, but for the next probably eight to 10 years, I felt like he needed to lead. He needed to, he needed to, he needed to. And he just wasn't, that's just not his personality. That's just honestly now that I look back over my entire life, I realized that was just never his thing. My mom was a very strong woman, but my mom always set things up too as, well, let me talk, let me talk to him about it. And then I'll come, we'll come back to you. But I was a stepchild, right? My mind was a stepfather. So I always thought my mom came back and talked to me because she was my mom about the family decisions, but she always talked to him because he was the head of the household kind of thing. And I think whenever I went into business with him, I thought that if I talked to him about stuff, he would make a decision and then I would go implement, but like, he didn't want to make decisions. Now in retrospect, I think my mom probably made all those decisions and I had no idea she was doing it. And I think that some of us were coming out of a generation of, or multiple generations of where there were a lot of men who did not lead, but men, women let the men think they led, right? Kind of thing. And we get really confused about the, some of those roles. And I think if we just looked at human beings, male, female, I don't really care, right? Um, as the concept of just personalities, then we would probably be a lot clearer as to who could be more of a nurturer, who could be more of a leader, who could be more of that um, driver versus who's more of a facilitator. And I think that's really personality driven. I think we, our society has said that we have certain gender roles, right? That women have to take care of their children because, and I think that we have certain defaults to some degree because when a child is sick or when the home is in a struggling point or in a point of chaos, we naturally gravitate towards a little bit more of that nurturing than I think some men do. But I think that strong women attract men who want a strong woman. And I think strong men attract women who want a strong man. And in those terms, we come to an equilibrium in our life as well as in our businesses. We do the same thing. We attract those. I want to say we attract those personalities that complement us and that we can complement them if we do it correctly. And ideally, I would like people to really focus on that more than male or female, like the right butts and the right seats, whether or not I build an agency of all women or all men, I don't necessarily care. I don't want women to not get opportunities, but I don't want 
a woman who can't make decisions in a leadership role and who doesn't want to. I just think we really need to focus to me on the right butt for the right seats. I agree. I, uh, I think that I, I agree with, with, I think we're fixers, you know, yeah, by nature, true. just because, you know, we've, as parents, you know, we've, we've get put in that role where you have to, um, or you go crazy. Um, and I, I do see that in the agency, um, as far as you know, service people, you know, CSRs, um, they're fixers. You know, they're the ones that are, are paying attention to the details and chasing somebody down and saying, hey, I need this, I need that. Um, so I do think you have to look at the fact that, that uh, you know, men and women traditionally have been wired differently brain-wise, and there's, there's value in that. Um, you don't want to just gloss everything over to where it's just doesn't matter because I think there is a, a, a value in knowing that if they have that, the ability to solve problems and to fix things and to nurture and to, to care about people, then, then that's going to be a great butt in the seat for a, you know, a service person um, may not work as well for someone who has to go out in the, the field and get told no all the time. Um, you know, I, that's one weakness I feel even in our agency is we need more female salespeople um, in my head just to balance it out. You know, we have a couple of them and they're great, uh, but I'd like 10 more that can go out and, but their approach is different. Um, <laughs> I had to laugh. I had, I had one agent. I really, really tried to get her to sign up for the protege. Okay. And because uh, I would love to see more women in that uh, but just the whole thing, killing commercial and the pro, you know, she watched some of the, the YouTube videos and things like that. And she's like, I just don't think I'm comfortable with that. And I'm like, really? I really think you would be, but, but they, they see it as I think a harsher connotation than it really is. Um, but man, I'm going to work on her again for next year too. So, because I just, I, we need to be represented there as well. Um, and, and that is a purposeful <laughs> thought to just have some balance there that's not there now. Yeah. And, and they know that. He knows that. He encourages it to, to you, you know, try to get some, some more females to go. So, yeah. What do you think about why is there not more women in a sales role? I mean, you know, I think it's a little bit more of a cut. Hey, these were cuts, bro, but you're right. like, no, 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 no. Why, why are, what can we do to encourage women in more of a sales role than just ownership or CSRs or whatever? Um, you know, what I've noticed is I, I think like Vonda said, it's the no portion of it, right? We've, we've been taught not to push. We've been taught to um, help. We've been taught to support. Yep. Um, but I see it, um, you know, and a lot of the females that I, managed. Cause I had, I had a very equal team. I had a very diverse team throughout my years of sales management and the women would always, they'd always go, okay. Or they'd say, is this a good time for you? Right. There, there was always a more supportive role that went into it. Whereas the men were just like, this is what I have for you. And this is what I need. It, it's a very um, direct, almost like a laid out plan of steps where women felt like they had to massage the situation in yeah. sales. And 
I think that until women realize that they, they can have the same strong voice and no is not, you know, like no is okay to hear, right? We tell men all the time, no means no, right? And then we go, they go, oh, no, no means, yeah. you know, you know, I've, like. Hey, I've been you? in, I've been in sales meetings where they say exactly that. They'll say, well, no doesn't really mean no. And it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, but, so for women, if we've been taught that the whole time, like we, we have to tell men that no means no. If someone says no to us, we go, we have to respect no. Right. But it's a, it's, it's being able to flip your mindset between knowing when no is appropriate and no is a block to sales. And I think that's the biggest thing that we've have to overcome as women is to be okay, that it's okay to be aggressive when the situation calls for it. And there's, there's just that mental block. And I, I still have a few females in my organization. I mean, I look at Teresa, when you wanted to, to do a podcast with my CSR, right? She is the backbone of our agency. When I say this woman keeps everything at glue and we're busy out here and we're going a thousand miles a minute and we can forget to call her for two weeks. I'm just going to admit, like it just happens. She works remote. But when I told her, this is what I want you to do. Her mindset was, well, I'm just a, I'm just a customer service agent. And what like, and she just, she felt like she would have nothing to provide to other women in this industry. Cause in her mindset, that was just all she was. And in my mindset, I'm like, you literally run this agency, whether you know it or not, and like, you make sure nothing falls through the cracks. Yep. And that's what I hear all the time is, well, if you can convince her to be on there or, you know, if, if you can, you know, um, get her to talk because she, she, you know, she, she's very shy. And I'm like, this girl's running your organization almost from the back end. Cause you're bringing in the business. She's talking to clients. She's doing renewals. She's popping, you know, but we don't give ourselves credit for what we do. And I almost think that there's so much fear and I almost wonder, I don't, I don't, I don't hear men as fearful about putting themselves out there as women are. Is that a, do you think it's a generational or cultural thing that men are taught that they need to put themselves out there more? I don't know. I don't know. I'm still trying to dig into that because when we talk about the killing commercial stuff, I would love to go in that direction, but I always think, oh, I'm not ready for it yet. I'm not there yet. The da, 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 da. And I got to say for me, it's a, it's also a fear of not being good enough and not, not being able to perform in that space. And it's it whenever I do things, it's about fear. What do, what, what do you guys feel with that? Because that's what I hear I you know. say, Aurora, is it's, it's, it's a fear that I'm not good enough, that I don't have enough to bring to the table. And if I do, I'll be a failure because maybe what I have isn't enough. I just, I, it's like we make ourselves smaller, right? I just do this. Yeah. I look at that killing commercial and my brain and my type A personality goes, if I bring that type of skill set into even to myself, then I'm going to be way more busy and I'm, I'm going to now have to find people that are going to be able to complement and sustain the business, right? For me, it's anytime I move into that next level, I go, well, now I have to perform on it. And do I want to be that heavy in something? I like that. His, his situation doesn't intimidate me. The knowledge and now I'm going to have to forge forward because I'm going to have no excuse not to forge forward. That, I love that though. And I think that's that. the right attitude towards it. I really do. I really do. It, it shouldn't be an attitude of fear. It should be, I don't have time. And do I want that? You know, do I want 
to have to hire more people to be able to deal with a total different set of, of needs that my agency may have. And I love that. That is so healthy, Aurora. I love that. It just, for me, <laughs> I know my mindset is completely different, but I love that yours, and I do have that too, because I'm like, we're not commercial enough that we don't have like a commercial CSR to be able to really be that person. So there is that feature of it. But then I think, well, if the premium's so much better than I can hire them, you know, I mean, but at the same point, I totally get your point. And I wish that was my first response. That's my, I've done the work. So that's what I know my response should be. But my initial response over here is fear and anxiety. And um, that imposter syndrome, I talk about it all the time. But my, Teresa, shut up. You've done the work. You go over to the other side of your brain says, you know, can I handle the growth? Can I handle the whatever? And am I really ready to go that direction for the amount of work it is? And um, when I get in there, I need to make sure I bring it, you know? So I've got this, I feel I always feel very bipolar all the time because I've got this initial response versus <laughs> this, you've done the work and Teresa, you're a badass, you know, kind of thing. If you, if you really feel that way, I can help you fix the other part of it to where you would be ready to roll with it. But so I think it's, it's, yeah, you just, it's no excuses. If you're ready to roll in that direction, there's, there's always a way to jump into it and get some things in place. Um, I, I would love to do it. I think I could, you know, have the personality that would, would do well, but in, in my case, I, I don't sell, I don't, I don't go directly to a client and sell, so for me, it's more of a, a sales coaching role and running in, you know, through the agency. And so to me, it would, it would probably be a, a huge waste unless I was looking at it as a way to build my sales team, but that's not the philosophy it's based on. So for me, I'm not really sure it would, would, would be beneficial, but I, I love it. I mean, I, that's, that's the kind of stuff I just absolutely love. So I think for me, I want to go through it so that I can build my own a primary book, but then also at the same time, be able to coach other people to go out and build their own. And then I want to go back to where I am now. So like in personal lines now, I'm very much just, I mean, I don't really sell that much. I really just run my team. I just kind of coach and run my team. And the past two months, I mean, because tomorrow's two months since my son passed, I really haven't done very much at all. Number one, that's a trauma situation and I totally get it. But I've also been super impressed with how my team has maintained that book without me having to be in the middle of it. And at the IAOA event, I really sat down on Saturday after everything and I started kind of decompressing a little bit. And I talked to some, some, some of my people and I just said, I feel like I'm such a imposter because we're talking about this agency thing. And yet I've not even done much in my agency. I've been like at 25% less than that probably for two months. And I'm not really doing like da, 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 da. And they're like, but no, that's the point, you know, is that we don't need to be the main person in our agency. And if we can step back. So I think for me to get back into sales more is the concept of, the requirement of being in the middle of the sales, but then also on the other end, I still want to make sure I coach my team. And ultimately that's not where I want to be. I want to be at the point where I coach my team and I have that freedom. So I'm just trying to kind of figure out what that really looks like. But again, I want to make sure that that fear does not turn into excuses and keep me from doing the things that will push my agency forward. Cause I tend to let fear paralyze me. And I know that I'm very aware of that. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. 
Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. And I wonder, too, if it's the difference between being a female agency owner and if you were a male agency owner, would your decision be different? To me, I see a male agency owner and I see them, they would jump in in that situation and just worry about having people underneath them just to take care of everything else. Whereas I think we tend to look at it as, oh, my gosh, I've got to do this. I got to do this. I got to handle this. I got to handle this. I can't do that. Um, I think That's we... We, we process things so in such a deep level that we're, it blocks us from just <laughs> whatever, we're just going to do it and somebody will take care of it later. And, and I see that even in the differences between Jay and I, um, he is like our acquisition king and he will go in and, and, you know, he's probably working on three of them, you know, today, you know, and maybe none of them will, will come to, to fruition, but I don't get brought into it until the very end when he's actually negotiating he says, how do you think this would work? And, you know, what could we do and how could we shift people around and would we need this much staff, that kind of thing. And that's when, you know, I have input because I'm, you know, basically then he'll make the deal and it's like, here, make it work. <laughs> it's like, and he's gone um, onto the next one or, or he'll work with the sales team or whatever. But as far as actually making it come together, you know, that's my baby for the next year. And so he doesn't worry about how it's going to, you know, ah, you'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Um, and, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, that's, this is hard to put this together and make this work, but but they just jump in, you know, they just wired differently. You see that men just jump in easier than women do. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I I'd say, you know, having, having Eric as a best friend, right. That's amazing. Right. Like the, the way that I watch his brain work of, he just goes, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And he just does it. Right. I go, okay, this is what I want to do. And then I literally sit there and I go, okay, if I walk down, if I, if I make this choice, then this could crumble. And so how do I support this? Right. And his brain is I'll figure that all out after I've made it happen. True. Right. And, and he, he can, he will move through a decision so much faster than I will. And there's sometimes we'll talk about my same decision for a year. Right. <laughs> and then He's literally like already made six different decisions um, throughout it. And there's some of that, like he wants to conquer the world. I want to conquer my little thing, right? Like I, 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 do, I, I expand into other states, but I do it in a very strategic way. Whereas if he went into another state, he would basically blow every wall that's out of there, right? Like it's just a different methodical way that we do it. And, but he also gives me, more strength than he probably realizes. Cause I, I watch him do it. And I watch that fearlessness and I go, you know what, what's, what is the worst that can happen? I, I, I have to change direction really quickly. And that's what I do most of the time. Anyway, I'm a very right. reactive. I'm really great at reactive. Um, when the marketplace shifts and what, you know, everything that has to happen, 
I'm probably less proactive than I am reactive, which means that I'm literally the same person as he is. And we talk about this all the time. He just jumps faster than I do. Mm. You know, it's a great book by John Acuff. I meant to mention it in my presentation at, at AOA. Totally forgot. There's like two or three things I totally forgot, but there's a great book called Start, Go From Average to Awesome by John Acuff. And it talks about taking all of our fears that keep us from jumping into situations and looking at them and saying, just like what Eric does, I'll figure it out later, right? And it is such a good book because at the end of the book, it says, journal down all your thoughts and and journal down all your fears for like 48 hours, right? And then, then think through, what if that actually happened, right? So what if I jumped into another state and I did this and I wasn't prepared for it? And, you know, what if, what if our, what if our business tripled in the course of a year and we did not have the manpower to be able to do that, right? What is the worst thing that would happen if we answer that question? You know, um, and what's the best thing that can happen from that? So when you look at that and you have both of those and you kind of make a chart of it, right? Like one left-hand side, the benefits, one on the right-hand side, the, the, the cons, then you're a little bit more prepared for it and you can jump on in and think that process through. But then at least you don't feel like there's, I mean, there's always going to be stuff that jumps out at us that we didn't know, but it, it, it takes away a lot of that fear. And we can say, okay, if this does happen, if this does happen, I'm somewhat prepared for it. Right. And it lets us take those steps forward without the anticipation and the chaos and the mayhem. And that's one of the things that I have always loved about that book. I read that book like six years ago, back when it was in my, um, my big crisis back in 2016. Um, when my son was out of the hospital, we were doing this, that, and the other. And, um, my husband and I divorced my first, uh, my second husband who I'm remarried to now, we divorced. And I went through this and I realized that I had been playing small and living in this life of fear and not building my business and not taking chances like what you're talking about, Roy, like because I was so scared of them that I had actually done everything I didn't want to do. I had put all this fear in my children and I had put all this fear in my team and I didn't hire the way I wanted to. And I was angry because my business was keeping me as a, as a, as a, the victim in it, right? I just was very victim oriented in my head. And I think as women, sometimes we go that direction, but at that book, it said, so if this happened, then this happened. And what, what if it does? Okay. Well then let's pre-think that. And then we're prepared. And I really think that if we do want to take those chances, if we are more of what, like what you're talking about, Vonda, more facilitatory, it allows us to have less fear when we step into those types of situations. Hey. I just think that would be a much better way to be able to do that. Let's talk also about family life. Okay. Family life is very different from a man than it is for a woman. And I know there are a lot of very nurturing men that help out, do the dishes, blah, 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 blah. But men approach children, men approach life situations differently. I mean, I know my husband and I, we've had our own separate sets of kids. We were we, we were married for a little bit while my children were youngish. I mean, my, my oldest was 18 when we got married and my youngest was 12. So we, we kind of sort of raised up my daughter. But honestly, we only lived in the same house. I mean, I'm being super honest here. We only lived in the same house for two years. Um, so out of, out of the raising of those children, we were married for another year and a half, but trying to work things out on a separate level. I was in an apartment, but you know, we only lived together for two years, but how we approach our, the child aspect of things is very different. How do you feel like the home environment versus building an agency and the responsibilities of home is different versus agency management from a male to a woman, to a male to female? 
Well, I was a single mom. Um, so I think that there, I watched that dynamic, um, between my friends that were in the insurance industry that had a wife at home, um, that was doing the dishes and was doing the laundry and was doing all those things that when I got home, I had just done all of this and now I needed to take care of the household. And so it left very little time to be a parent to them. Now I know watching my girls now, right? I, I raise girls. I also raised my sisters or helped raise my sister's kids when she passed of cancer. And I watched the shift and even how they acted and where they ended up in their life based off of watching somebody who just busted their ass constantly. Like as much as they resented it, they also knew that I was, I was working very hard. And so there was moments where kid, my kids would be like, you know, it's kind of embarrassing because my friends come over and the dishes aren't done. Right. In my head, I'm like, but you can do the dishes, right? right. Like, but I didn't, I didn't learn to me, foster I'd that be like, environment. Me, I'd be um, like, it's proof that you ate. So let's just call it a win. Great. <laughs> yeah. okay. But I mean, it was just that, that, <laughs> that balance that we had to do as either working mothers or single mothers that I think a lot of men do not have on their plates. I think are some now, you know, separated single men. And I think they are starting to feel that and they're starting to recognize the balance that a lot of us have had to do, especially my younger male insurance counterparts that are divorced and have kids in their household. But it's a super hard balance to have to raise the kids and feel responsible for not only a business, but also for the well-being of your household and the well-being of your children and to be there and spread yourself successfully among all those aspects. Right. And I think also asking for help or knowing you need to hire some help. Oh, I never um, asked for help. I mean, holy cow, hire somebody to help clean your house. If, you, yeah. if you're an agency owner, I don't know why you're not doing that. So failure. Uh, it is really not it failure. It is not a failure. It's not a weakness. It's, you know, a male would have no problem doing it. Why do we have a problem doing that? Um, we just feel like we have to do everything and we can't do everything. And I think that's a really, really important step that we have to get to, to where you just have to, to you know, we got to take care of ourselves um, first and foremost, or we're not good for anybody. I mean, I've, I've written with this before I have on, I have in my hanging on my lamp next to me right now. I have the, the little oxygen thing that pops down, you know, in a plane, <laughs> right. That I ordered from a, a air, airline shop or whatever. I didn't steal it. Um, because, you know, they always tell you to put your, <laughs> they always tell you, you know, you to put your mask on first before you try to help somebody else. Yep. You know, they say that every time. And do we, do we make that, that connection? You know, we don't, we have to take care of ourselves or we're no good to anybody. And we just, we guilt ourselves into thinking that that's not good. Um, we've, we've got to stop that, 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 you know, brain cancer that goes on within us that, that, um, that we're not worth that. And, and yeah. that's, that's huge. It's just an, it's an attitude ch- shift. Well, I think just as much as there's time blocking for business stuff, right? I think there's time blocking for home stuff, right? So right. like on Sundays uh, when my kids were younger, cause I was pretty much a stay at, I was pretty much a uh, single mom ish. 
Um, I was divorced when uh, my youngest was six and we started the business when she was three. And then my ex-husband moved to Colorado or actually moved to New Mexico and then to Colorado. So it's like, you know, he wasn't even in the state most of the time. So, and then, like I said, I was with my, my husband, we lived in the same house for two years. He was always very participatory, but it was still my kids. Right. And like, I picked them up every day from school. I was completely like room mom, all this stuff while I did everything. But what I found was, that if I left early from work, then I had to be able to make sure I picked it up in the evening, right? My son will, would, would have always told you, and it's on the podcast we did, he remembered the, the tic-tac of my nails, you know, on the keyboard that when I would leave to go do the rounds, pick everybody up from school, but then I had to work at night. And I would always tell them that, you know, you better be bleeding, dying or dead whenever I'm working. And if I'm at home and you need to come and interrupt me, you know, because I was always trying to teach them to be independent and they helped each other out. It helped them. I think being a mom and being a business owner and just being a woman in the industry has helped me to segregate out the fact that I can focus really deep because there's chaos all around me. I can still focus really deep. <laughs> And then the other side of that is, is that I can, on Sunday, I can meal prep because I don't want my kids eating lean cuisines all week, right? Or I don't want them, you know, pulling out the ramen noodles at seven o'clock because they're hungry and they haven't eaten yet, you know? Um, so when we plan ahead and we plan our week, we can do things like the meal prep before us where I just take it out and I defrost it. My kids used to always say, the only day of the week that I would cook would be Sunday because every other day of the week I would assemble. I was like, but I cooked it all on Sunday. I just assembled it the rest of the week. So it was my way yeah. to make sure that we didn't just go, oh, I'm tired. Let's order a pizza, you know, because that was a primary thing that I found I was doing way too much because I felt like I needed to do it. But then I would feel like a failure. And like Aurora was saying, I would just heap all that on top of myself, that guilt that the dishes weren't done or I wasn't feeding my kids good food. But then I had all this other stuff I needed to do. And I think we need to look at home, I hate to use this word, but as a business to some degree, because there's 25 to 30% of that, that if we manage it correctly, we can do a lot more. But part of that's delegation, like what you're talking about, about a maid, it's about um, having somebody come in and put stuff up in my attic. If I need, if I get all my Christmas stuff down, I can go on Thumbtack and be able to have somebody put it up, right? I mean, my husband is, I have my husband now, but at the same point, sometimes he has back issues. So we've hired somebody on Thumbtack just to put all our stuff up after the holidays. It's okay to do that. It's fine. Yes. You know, a guy would do it any day of the week. Wouldn't yep. be a question, you know? But I think what we need to do is look at ourselves as a holistic being, not that we're a failure, not that we're less, not that we need something and maybe take more chances and move forward, I think, and, and really get out there and rock it and be the person who is the right person in the right seat for what it is we're looking for. Well, I, I you know, kind of wanted to, to broach this a little bit. It's kind of a, a sensitive topic, but, you know, social media, it's very, it can be very personal or very impersonal, however you look at it, but and again, I don't know if that there's a right or wrong, but I don't think that it really serves a purpose to, to mail bash, you know, if you're a, a female you. in, in the, I mean, but at the same time, sometimes there's differences that we weren't, there was an injustice and, and we have to deal with that, but there's just like, we fight with balance everywhere else. 
there's got to be some balance in, you know, if somebody wronged you in, a, in an individual situation, that's one thing. But just to generalize a population, you know, we don't want to do that any more than we want them to generalize us. And that's what right. that's what makes it so hard because you can't generalize. And yet we do. I mean, I have today, um, you know, because it's maybe 90 percent true in the population or, or whatever. But I, I think it's a real fine line on social media that we, you know, we are putting out there a you know, for, for the younger people coming up or people that are, are newer agency owners or people that are making, you know, just trying to swim through life, you know, we are, I, I don't want to use the word role model because that just makes that, that sounds like an arrogant term, but we're setting an example. That's a better way to put it. Um, I think we all set examples for other people. Um, and I just think that's something to, to, you know, right or wrong. I don't know what the right answer is or the wrong answer, but sometimes I see things and it just, if it feels toxic, then it's probably not a good, you know, thread to be continuing down. Um, and I just think that that's, it just doesn't serve a purpose in most cases. Um, again, at the same time, you want to be supportive of someone who feels that they've been wronged or they feel that they're not able to survive, you know, that they're as a female, they're not surviving very well in a, in a male dominated industry. Um, but I know there's ways to survive in this industry as a female. Um, and I, I hate to see the toxicity. I think that needs to, we need to find a way to, to balance that out a little bit. And I've, I've seen it on social media. I've seen it in groups that I'm in, um, well, we have a lot of, we have a lot of women's groups, right? And I think that, I, I think that we should never build empowerment for each other through exclusion of others. I think that that defeats the whole purpose. Yep. And I watch a lot of the narratives and I watch a lot of the communication that happens. And I think that that is the role that we have as, as women that have lived through so many generations of this. And have still come out of it and in roles of leadership that it is our job in a way to help mentor a lot of these women that are coming up in this empowerment generation to say, your narrative is such because you have been told these fallacies your entire life that men look at you in this way and men devalue you in this way. And I cannot tell you how many men and this industry have taken the time and do not look at me as anything else other than somebody who's trying to grow. And they've taken the time to have conversations and say, Hey, maybe if you looked at it in this way, then you would feel less like you were attacked at that moment. And, and 99% of the time they were correct. I felt attacked because my narrative said, these people expect me to remain quiet. These people remain, expect me to do this. And as I've shifted into, you know, what they expect me to do is speak up when I need to speak up. They expect me to assert myself when I need to assert myself. One, one owner of a business, I said, you know, what should I have done differently? Right. I was leaving the organization and a lot of it, I left the organization because I felt that I wasn't being heard as a woman. And I wasn't being hurt. It wasn't that I wasn't being hurt as a woman. I wasn't being hurt as an individual. And he said, have bigger balls. You had so many great ideas, but you allowed us to silence you because you didn't push forward. And we actually had a conversation 
um, a couple of years ago because he watched me on the news and he called me and he said, hey, that was really awesome. Why do you think that you have grown so much faster now than when you were in our organization? And I said, because I am implementing everything you told me wouldn't work. But if I had just stuck to my voice at that time, they would have valued those moves the same way that they would have valued anybody else's. I didn't value myself enough to have a voice because of all the narratives. And I think that if we as women can get rid of the narratives we've been taught and realize that they are there to support and help and we can help and support them, I think a lot of this men versus women will eventually fade. I agree. I agree. I think somebody once told me, not once, but somewhat recently, is that that every big movement in society has a has a um, herded uh, uh, an injured voice and has a pro. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, the, the example was a Malcolm X versus Martin Luther King type of idea, right? Is that we all have kind of more of a, of a of an army versus a movement type cultures that we have a choice what we want to be able to be able to participate in and different things speak to different people. And unfortunately, they all do work together um, to be able to create a movement that is very important. Um, and I mean, that's a different type of situation and I'm not, I'm not really comparing the two necessarily, but what I am saying is, is that I think different people have different ways that they do approach these, but for us to make true, like, like you two ladies are saying, I'm completely agreeing with you, is that for us to make true strides is for us to step up, for us to work our narrative, for us to be able to approach every situation with a spirit of honesty with the spirit of really being able to look at that situation, not as a woman who's been hurt or as a woman or as a man, it's just look at it honestly. Maybe this person just meant this. They didn't mean that. And then just stepping in and doing our very best, bringing our very best to the table, whether or not we work for a corporation, whether or not we work for ourselves, whether or not we work for an agency. Sometimes I think as women, we want to, we want to like raise our hand and wait to be called on rather than stepping up and being able to say, I got an idea, which is what a man will do. A man, not necessarily just men, there's a lot of women that do it too. Again, it's a personality thing, but we get, we hide behind male versus female sometimes. Maybe we even hide behind, like Vonda saying, that social media um, message that women are smaller or women are whatever, right? It, everybody has their own their own dialogue going on in their head. And I think it's really important for us to say, bottom line is we need to bring our very best to the table, male and female, every single day to be able to report our industry, to be able to support our people, to be able to support in a very real and honest way, rather than all the filters and all the stuff that's all over the internet, just period, just all over the place. I don't want a man with filters. I don't want a female with filters. I just want real. And I want people that can help me be real and help me battle my own personal demons so that I'm better today as a human being than just because I'm male or female. And that's what I really love. And that's what I'm hearing you guys saying. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, good or bad. I mean, you have to sometimes check your own filters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Coming in for me, it's checking the filters of the information that's coming in. 
going out, I mean, I'm, I am who I am. Completely unfiltered. Completely unfiltered. I don't know. I think her TikTok's pretty unfiltered, but that's one of the things I love about her. <laughs> well, ladies, you guys have been a blessing today. We are out of time. Thank you so much for this very honest and very candid conversation. I've loved every single minute of it. Again, we have Bonda Copeland, Aurora Mullet. Um, and if you guys have any questions or want to reach out to them, please feel free to do so. They've both been on the podcast in the past. I know that we are under a little bit of a time crunch because it's here it is 1157. And I know a couple of us have a 12 o'clock appointment, but I do want to make sure that we let everybody know out there at the power of women in insurance communication and with everything that we fully support you, male, female, we're here to be able to help grow this industry, grow who you are, who we are, and for all of us to be better at the end of the day. If you know of another powerful woman who would love to be interviewed, or even maybe somebody who wants to step outside their box and empower other people through stepping outside their box, outside their normal range of their box and be able to do something dynamic for the industry. I would love to have them on this podcast. So send me a message. We do release a new episode every single Wednesday where we talk to another powerful woman and have a great conversation in the industry. Everybody, thank you, Vonda. Thank you, Aurora. You guys are amazing. You guys are some of my favorite people. I love you both. Same. Thank you. Same, same here. Well, everybody have a great week and we will talk to you guys next week. See you then. Bye. Hey agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now listen, I'm an agency owner and I, you know how it is. To, to fix a problem, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.